0: Um, chapter 7 on Sermon on the Mount is the most difficult of the chapters. Not difficult to understand, perhaps, but very difficult to live out. There are absolute do's and don'ts in this chapter, and they seem to sometimes contradict each other. So we need to look at this very carefully. There's another reason why it can be a bit difficult, and that is that chapter 7, in my opinion, more than the other chapters, Is more bullet point. In other words, it's not a flowing narrative from one to the other, but it's as if Matthew just wanted to get the high bets. Luke got some high bets too, and he got some different ones, but Matthew put down his high bets there without any transition time, and that can be, it can seem abrupt. So let's start with one of the more troublesome passages to us, and that's chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now that last phrase is actually a biblically used phrase. I I think of very often when the prophet goes to the widow. And remember, widows back in those days had nothing, no resources. There was no social net at all. He comes to her and he asks for a meal and a place to stay. And she says, I've only got a little flour meal and a little bit of oil. I was going to make just one more meal for my son and I, and then we were going to lay down and die. That sounds pitiful and even dramatic, but no, that was life for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It's the way things were. So the prophet, not entirely unself interest here, told her, you go borrow pots from as, and jars from as many people, your neighbors. No, she did, and people must have loved her because they let her have these, and these were very hard to replace. She brought them in, and God filled them up. And I always like to bring up, he didn't fill up a single jar she didn't put before him. But he filled up all that she did. With the measure you offer yourself to God God opens up back to you. This is not a works-based salvation, and this is absolutely not a prosperity gospel. You've heard those people that will say, oh, give God $100 and he'll give you 1000 It's not the way this works. Sometimes what he gives to you is grace and peace. Sometimes there are material blessings. It's up to him what he does. But will you open up to God? The problem is there's a negative side to that as well. If you negative give to others... That will come right back to you. My, um, sometimes preachers worry about retirement, and they'll talk quite a bit about it, and I just have a throwaway line, and that is, I hope I've been nice to enough people that somebody will feed me. Might not happen. (laughs) But it's the point is, the idea of, you know, you reap what you sow is a biblical principle. And that really, really works when it comes to judgment. If we, in this passage already, earlier, we found that if we misuse our words to call each other fools, or you're worthy of hellfire, God says, that's a danger that'll destroy you. You've started on a road, Jesus says, that leads to murder, whether it is physical murder, or emotional, or community-wise, in that you've separated somebody from the community. In fact, I know an awful, I bet you do as well. People who used to be in church on Sunday morning who aren't anymore because other Christians treated them in such a way they were forced out. They were shoved out. We don't do that here, but we know it happens. Most of us have been told by somebody one time or another, no, you can't judge me. We most people like to use Matthew seven, one and two, like a shield and a club. You can't judge me. Maybe we saw them cheating on a spouse maybe we saw them drunk and unable to work or walk rather and we see you know, we're, we're trying to talk to him about that and they say you can't judge me maybe it's even something smaller like you're saying you're on a diet as you have the Krispy Kreme donut box over here again if you get two dozen it's a, there's a price break but but you, you've got that over here and we're going well, aren't you on a diet and people say don't don't judge me is that what Jesus is doing here is he saying don't ever tell anybody and the diet thing throw that away that's a that's a small thing but the others are we never allowed to say something's wrong are we never allowed to say something is bad well I don't think so the church when I was growing up in which I grew up now I'm not sure all churches did this but the ones I grew up in found a way around these verses and they found it in chapter 7 and verse 20 Thus, by their fruit, you shall recognize them. And they, they would say, here's a phrase I grew up with, we are not judges, but we are fruit inspectors. I don't, th- I don't think that that's tra- treating Scripture properly. Confession here, I heard it, I'm sure I have said it many times growing up, and even in my early ministry days. But that's not what he was doing in verse 20. He was not giving you an out saying, don't judge lest you want to. He wasn't doing that. That's not what Jesus says. He was saying, watch your inner life. Don't walk around judging people. Don't let that be what you do. You're a person who judges. Because whatever comes out of you cannot come out of you unless it is first in you. You perhaps have done this at some time. Uh, somebody pull out in front of you, you slam on the brakes, you're very frightened for a moment, or you drop something on your foot or something, and a word slips out. And you're going, oh, I don't know where that came from. Well, well I do. It came from inside. It can't come out unless it's in. That's not to shame anybody. It's just, that's just a reality of life. Sometimes the, the movies we watch and the, the comedians we listen to are not helping us because they're putting words in that sometimes come out. Jesus says the attitude in your heart of judging others will come out. so don't judge others. By the way, judging others is exhausting. Really? If you can't go to a place without trying to find something to disapprove of, that's exhausting. Why would you do such a thing? Uh, not that you do, but why would anyone do such a thing? I remember uh, doing this and I've used this illustration before here. With psychology students saying, I want you to do something now. Pick a person. Just don't don't point, just pick a person. They'd pick a, a stranger. And I'd say, find a reason to disapprove of them. And they, at first, there, there's this little reticence to, oh no, I'd never do such a thing. Yes, you do all the time. So, find a, and it's, it's important, and they can find like this. Then I'll say, find a person And approve of them and tell me why. And you you can tell a story, well, that person's a war hero. Just tell stories to denigrate or to lift up. What stories are you telling each other? You know, if you're in the um, 15 item or less thing in Kroger, the checkout, Walmart has a 25 item or less. Really? Really? That's express. Anyway, (laughs) 15 Walmart got so busy last year at Christmas, they almost opened up a, a second line. Um, the cooler heads prevailed. The emergency was over. Anyway, you're, 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 you're headed toward the 15-item line, and somebody gets in front of you with enough stuff to go down the Amazon. What stories do you tell? Do you go... <laughs> like, like, you have a God-given right to have that. No, instead... Think about how blessed you are that God allowed you to know how to count. (laughs) Really, really. This poor unfortunate, even though they cannot count to 15, God has provided that they may eat. This is a blessing. You, you You ought to hug them and say, isn't this a wonderful thing? And if they say what? Say, shh, we know. Just step back. There's no reason to judge. There's no reason to be angry. You pull in. It's Christmas, so you're required to go to Cool Cold Spr- Cold Springs at some time. There's one car taking up three spaces. Why do that? What's ha- does that move a car? It does not. Park further away and exercise. Thank God that He gave you this opportunity to work off enough calories before you hit the Cheesecake Factory <laughs> to justify entering that way. Why tell yourself the negative stories? Why bring yourself down? It's a burden. You don't need that. Jesus wants us to be aware of this tendency to judge and tell negative stories. I'll tell one on me, and by the way, I could tell dozens and, okay, hundreds on me. But I can still remember, right before we went to Scotland, um, when my wife and I were, were newly married, we worked in a little church in Norfolk, Virginia, and there was a man walking toward me that was one of our deacons, and I was, uh, you know, I have to be there, too, so I'm going to be cheery. And I, I go, hey, how are you doing? And, goes, rab, 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 and just walked by. And I'm going, wow. Well, that sorts me out for being nice. And, you know, what's wrong with him? He probably kicks puppies. And, and all these stories, all of these stories are in my head. Somebody else came along later and they said, did you see David tonight? And I said, yes, I did. They said, I can't, they said, I can't believe he's here tonight. And I was thinking inside, it's not doing him any good Then they said, because he had two wisdom taken off today. And I'm going, oh, he couldn't talk. His mouth was full of cotton. But what story had I told myself? Where did I go with this? Jesus says, don't judge. When you catch yourself, don't do it. It's kind of like tension. If you're sitting there at your computer and you look over and go, hey, those shoulders are much higher than I remember. And you relax them down. What happens? They start coming back up. It's the same thing with judging you catch yourself judging pull back from it and say nope that's not what we do this church as we often say is an empty hands open arms church and we get that from the story of jesus and the woman caught in adultery by the time jesus was done the woman had been forgiven and blessed and nobody had a rock in their hand we are a church that you can be here well go back and check the sermons the last four years we're not going to preach against others we're going to preach about Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. Point us toward Jesus. Jesus had to learn obedience according to Philippians 2. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes we have to learn obedience as well. But God has done something here interesting in chapter 7. Because in most of the time when God tells you to do something, he did not tell you why. But in chapter 7 he does. Because it will come back at you if you don't if you, if you keep judging others, it's going to come back at you. Here's an illustration. Do you remember Westboro Baptist Church? Now, to our Baptist friends who might be here or listening online, we know they were Baptist in name only. We know you are not like them, and we know that you do not act like them. It was a family-based church that was all about hate. And you remember the signs? I will not quote the signs because even the signs are offensive about God hating different groups. They would show up at the funerals for soldiers and marines and sailors that were killed in battle to pick it and say, "This,, you know, this is what you get for defending a country." like it's nasty stuff." I remember in Michigan, we had a whole group of motorcycle riding veterans that would just go to one funeral after another just to keep them separate from the families. And they would yell abuse and such. They were the only ones who were right they have pretty much broken up because they ended up disfellowshipping each other. The same judgment that they threw at others came back. Even the founder of their church, the daddy was disfellowshipped by the children. That's not unusual. It really isn't. In our own history, the Somer family in the 1880s decided we had drifted too far to liberalism And so they they put out a bunch of different papers to attack other churches of Christ. One of my favorites was entitled, I'm not making this up, The Heretic Detector. That's a great name. I I wonder, do you just put it on the table and like a Ouija board, it kind of points toward the the person? And I'll probably get written up for knowing what a Ouija board is. Anyway, um, I go to movies. Anyway, um, so... But eventually, the Sommer family disfellowshipped each other and all had different papers attacking each other. Judging becomes a hobby, becomes a habit, and it comes back and it will destroy you. To where eventually, you draw your circle smaller and smaller till you're the only one in it. That's awful. So watch how you judge. I don't have a Church of Christ sticker on my car. They make them. They do. I've seen, follow me to the Church of Christ, or the Churches of Christ salute you. Why don't I, because am I ashamed of the Churches of Christ? No, no. Um, Sometimes I'm ashamed of my driving. I I sometimes make mistakes. You know, I, I don't see this, or I, and I, and I don't want anybody looking at my truck going, oh, there's Church of Christ people. Because I know we tend to judge each other, but do you judge each other when you're driving for, do you judge others for the mistakes that you also make? You see how that works? I've always said, when you drive, you become the standard for the world. Everybody's slower than you, get off the road. Go to Florida where you belong. It's God's waiting room, is what that is. I don't know if you knew that. I'm, I'm happy to help, anyway. It's, 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 kind of, it's also the home. It's the newlywed and the nearly dead. That's, they coexist. <laughs> they coexist. It's, it's a peaceful, wonderful thing. Anyway, but if they're going faster than you, oh, that's Ill, they should be giving that person a ticket. You become the standard. Don't let that happen on the road or in your life. You're not the standard. I'm not the standard. He's the standard. Don't judge each other. Live in peace with all men. The scripture says. Live in peace with them. Be okay with it. This is not hate the sin, love the sinner. By the way, people, if you want to, want to know why, why I don't use that phrase, put that phrase into Google and see how many people are outraged because you're calling them sinners. Well, so I don't say that. I just say you're allowed to notice, the fruit inspecting, you're allowed to notice when something goes wrong. You're allowed to notice when something looks like sin. But you are not allowed to condemn an individual because they, like you, need a Savior. You need a Savior as much as they need a Savior. It's true. Mother Teresa needed a Savior just as much as the founder of the Westboro Baptist Church. We all need the same Savior. And Jesus hung on the cross as long for them as he did for you, so who are we to judge? And I know, I just killed the internet who are you to judge another man's servant? Well, there there it goes, Paul. Thank you. Don't, Don't we do this in politics? If our guy does it, it's great. Your guy does it, oh, it's awful. Put him in jail. Stop it. We don't do that. We have no part of that. The good news is we are allowed one opportunity, one set of circumstances where we can point out the sins of others. Are you ready? Yes, it's so exciting. Look at uh, chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So? you are allowed to go hunting for sins. Yours. And that's it. As soon as you are completely fault-free, you are allowed to point out the sins in others. So um, I'm going to suggest that that time might not arrive. Uh, I'm not fault-free, and you could probably list several. And My wife could list a lot. She, She has closer knowledge of these things. I could list more that she doesn't even know about because they're internal. I have no right to spend my life going around pointing my finger. Nobody does. That's what Jesus is saying here. Love them, don't judge them. Don't get in the habit of even judging them inside. Rules change at 4th Avenue. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but they do. While some churches may spend their time attacking other churches, we will not. While some churches may spend their time with politics, we will not. While some churches, they may be more catered to this kind of crowd than that. No, we're just open arms. You walk through, what are you you told? Welcome home. And we mean it here, don't we? It's who we are. We don't run by the rules of the world. Not in our leadership, not in our organization, not in... uh, And in fact, I think that that probably caused Steve Burgess more headaches than anything else. Because he had worked with the corporate world, and then he... Came to work with Fourth Avenue in a capital campaign, and it's, it's not hurting cats. It's hurting cats with attention deficit disorder. <laughs> it is. That are volunteer cats. And, and it couldn't be that they, they said they would, they would help and do all this other. And so we'll make a call, and the cat's going, eh, no. Or I'm busy. Or, because we're a family, everything changes here. Remember that. It doesn't change just because you come in the building. It changes in here, in your heart, even out there. We do things in a different way. Think about the accused woman. The Bible says Jesus saw her. Not a problem, not an issue, not a center. He saw her, and he had compassion. While others had rocks in her hand, Jesus did not, and he said, you act like that. You, have, you live like this. And that's who we are. That's why we invest our money and our time right here. I leaned over and told my wife during one of the sections of this morning's service. I said, this is not the life I chose. This is not the life I wanted. I didn't say all of this to her, but got most of it out. This is not the life I trained for. But look at what God has done with the shattered remnants of who I was. God can do so much if you don't spend your life judging, but rather instead seeing the people, loving the people, working with whatever they bring you. God can do mighty things, but... Judge not that you be not judged. Now, by the way, isn't that an odd sermon for the wrap-up of a capital campaign thing? Not at 4th Avenue. At 4th Avenue, we keep pointing toward Jesus. Isn't that a cool thing? It's a brilliant thing. Let's stand. I'm going to give you a blessing. Then your brother Mark will give you a blessing and a song. And you can, we'll see if the inflatables actually arrived. If they did not, we'll have a sheet and throw kids up in the air or something. That's It's all right. After the fire, the, 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 the asphalt's softer, so we're, we're good. May you be blessed. May the Father's hand keep you from stumbling. The footprints of Jesus give you confidence to follow, and the fire of the Spirit keep you warm and safe in your walk with God this day. May God's Word be in your heart. God's Word be on your lips. God's Word be in your touch. May God's Word direct your feet. On this day and all your days to come. May God's word be the life you live. As we take our worship, praise, and prayer from this place and into our daily lives, may our lives be sustained through the love of our Heavenly Father. May we feel the presence of our Savior walking beside us and know the power of the Spirit in both our actions and our words.